0: Scores! Gilmore scores! With left! Off the glass, a left corner to Aguila. Aguila left
1: circle. Passing to Yelma. Shot. Saved. Made by Alaguila. Rebound. Another shot. A door! The Plains win it! Yeah! Now, on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All
2: right, happy June 1st. Goodness gracious, it's already June. How is it June already? I don't know. It feels like the flame season ended 18 months ago, so it feels like it's June 2024. Uh, Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. It is Thursday, June 1st. He's Wes from Post Media, my name is Pat Steinberg from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and live right here on Sportsnet 960, the fans. So how weird was Tuesday morning? It was 9 a.m. Calgary time. Thursday morning, rather. It was uh, 9 a.m. Calgary time this morning when Brad True Living was officially introduced as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I turned on the television. It's just like, this is so weird seeing Tree, who, you know, we have the the, the opportunity to get to know really well and, and see him all the time and always had a Flames pin on his lapel. And to see that guy with the, the familiar drawl and the familiar smirks and the familiar mannerisms and have him out there in front of a blue backdrop with a Maple Leafs pin on his lapel, it was, was I alone in how strange that was?
1: yeah it was it was a little bizarre and, and yet he looked very comfortable in that setting right away. and And I don't think that's any surprise uh, to you or I or, or anyone else who got to know him in Calgary. but I think maybe it struck me as less strange because he sort of seemed right at home right from the start.
2: There's been a lot of people who have talked about, well, is, is Tree going to be able to handle the, the scrutiny and the pressure? And those are the things that I would not worry about when it comes to Tree. Like, those are the things that he thrives on. You know, there's lots of other things. Will he build the Maple Leafs or, or get them over the top into a, a true cup contender? Will he be able to, to make the right moves to supplement this core four that has so far been able to win one game in the second round since they've been together. And and will he be able to sign the guys long-term to contracts that make sense, that don't completely handcuff the team? Uh, w- will the drafting record be strong? All those things are are fair questions, and, and we'll see whether or not Brad is able to get the job done. But his ability to deal with the, what would you say, Toronto's media throng, three times what we've got here in Calgary? It's about... About yeah. three times the size when you break it down, a little bit more than that. So the media throng is about the the,
1: yeah. the same size. At least three times yeah. the size. And I was actually, I meant to send someone a text and ask when he made that joke, and and you kind of knew he'd had a, have a joke holstered for the start. When he made that joke about how many people were there and how warm it was in the room today, I wondered how many people would be there. Like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs hiring a new general manager is a big 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 deal and he was right in the middle of that spotlight today and and he's you know I know he joked about how Matthew Kachuk tells him hey my success gets your name brought up more often well Brad Trelevin is not going to be short on headlines for the next handful of years he he, uh he's going to get plenty of attention no matter what Matthew Kachuk does
2: um it was the first opportunity. It's the first time Brad has spoken publicly since, what was it, April 17th or whatever it was, April 18th, when he walked away and the Flames and him parted ways right after the end of the season. So first time we've heard from Brad publicly since his departure from the Flames, and, and that was the way that he opened up his news conference on Thursday morning. And and I thought it was uh, just interesting to, to hear that I think he knew that he has not addressed – fans in calgary and flames fans since leaving and here's how brad opened things up in his introductory news conference with the maple Leafs.
0: first of all the city uh the fans of calgary it was our home for nine years raised our kids there um it's a it's a very special place to us the people are very special the city is very special um and it's it'll always have a, a a warm place in our heart um i got the pleasure to work for murray edwards the entire flames ownership group murray's a a great owner, has been a great mentor to me. Um, and and John Bean, uh, again, a, a good friend, a great professional mentor. Don Maloney, who's been a close friend of mine in the business for a long time. Uh, they're in great hands there. And I wish Connie um, all the success in the world as he, as he takes over the manager job. Most importantly, the players and staff. Um, I get close to the people I work with. I, I, I believe that you don't manage these days. Some Some do, some may. Uh, you don't manage from an office up in, the, in, in, in in the building. You manage you manage with the people, you're shoulder to shoulder with the people. and um, the group there, the players, uh, the staff, are, are I'm close with to this day and, and will be for the rest of our lives. So to them, good luck. I wish them all the very best except for a couple of games a year.
2: So that was Brad at his introductory news conference this morning, Thursday morning in Toronto. He's now the GM of the Maple Leafs. That's uh, been official since Wednesday, and he was introduced on Thursday. It's nine years at the same organization, nine years in the same city, and he's a Western Canadian guy. So yeah, there, there's there's clearly a lot of uh, there's clearly a lot of. Um, yeah, there's going to be nostalgia or connection or whatever term you want to use. It's always going to be uh, a special place for, uh, for Tree and, and his family here in Calgary. And now he's uh, you, you go from being in a Canadian market, which comes with scrutiny and comes with criticism and comes with attention and expectations and all of it, and, and that all exists here in Calgary. But Calgary and Winnipeg and Ottawa... Even do the Edmonton, even Vancouver, Vancouver, to an extent, yeah. They they pale in comparison to the type of scrutiny and the type of attention, not just the magnitude and the amount, but the actual, even tabloid like way that the Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens are uh, are covered. I'm I'm curious. I'm just curious as to how it all goes for them after nine years in Calgary. It's a it's it's a nice appetite wetter. I would suggest.
1: Well, and then you add the history and I don't mean just the history of the franchise in terms of how long that original six organization has been around, but the history of not having raised a championship banner for as long as the Maple Leafs have. And so the pressure, yes, there's pressure in Calgary and there's pressure in, in every city in the NHL, but the the scrutiny that Brad is going to be under in Toronto. The pressure on that team to win and win now, especially with the collection of talent they have, you're, you're absolutely right. It, you know what he's dealt with previously in his career in Calgary and then especially in Arizona, just totally pales in comparison. Yeah. Um, but I think he's I, I I think he's ready for it. I, I, do I don't too. doubt that he can handle it. I just you know I was struck today by one of the comments that he made that. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I, I've watched other people sit in this seat and talk about the sort of pressure and what it means to to be a Maple Leaf. And I'm not sure that until you're actually there, and this is what he was getting at, I don't think you can really imagine. I, I don't think what he, he's the 18th general manager of the Maple Leafs. Well, there's 17 other gentlemen that can describe to you or could describe to you the sort of pressure that comes with being in that market. Yep. Yep. Dave Nonis now
2: in Calgary is one of them. Yeah. He's been there and done that. Um, so we, we talked a lot leading up to this and, and since Brad exited the flames organization, there was a lot of talk and, and even controversy about, whether or not he had been allowed to interview with other teams. Remember, there is the report from Frank Saravalli, and then uh, we had Francis on um, one Friday, and we were talking about it. And it kind of, it it ended up being a little bit gray. Like, it was was a little gray in terms of whether he was allowed to talk to other teams with restrictions, or whether he actually was not allowed to talk to other teams. And so, uh, whether there was a change or not, I, I don't know if we'll ever actually know whether or not it was always with restrictions or if it was no, we're just not allowing you, but there are restrictions on Brad tree living. This was Brendan Shanahan, the president of hockey operations for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So there will be restrictions in the early going for Brad tree living until July 1st, there will be restrictions on his role as GM of the Maple Leafs. Here's Brendan Shanahan kind of explaining. There were some restrictions uh, imposed by the Calgary flames, but we're not going to go into those details. I will say that I've talked to Brad about that. We have we have an excellent head scout in West Clark. Uh we have an excellent scouting team. We pick in the first, fifth, and sixth round. Uh they are still doing their job. They are preparing. Uh that part won't change we have the utmost confidence in our in our scouting staff, but I won't go into those details. So We do have the details. Uh, The insiders have broken it down. He won't be able to uh, sit at the draft table. So, no Brad Tree living at Toronto's draft table. A little bit later on this month, he is still technically uh, his contract remains active with the Flames until June 30th and so they are going to impose restrictions on you know some of the intel that he could give or all that type of stuff between now and then so come the draft in the last week of June Brad will not be at the Maple Leafs table and that is the the main restriction that the Flames have put on this which isn't surprising it's not the first time this has happened and I've got no problem with it I I I don't I don't know how much of an impact having him there or not having him there would end up having, but in saying that, I, I don't think it... It's not the first time this has happened, and I think that it's most teams would go down the same road in similar circumstances. Well, two things. For
1: starters, Brad, because I'm sure you're not listening live, but you'll catch up on the podcast later. Definitely. If you want any suggestions on other places you could track the draft from in Nashville please do reach out to a sports reporter. We've been to a few of them. Secondly, I think Eric pointed this out really well, that the controversy we were hearing was about whether Brad was given permission to speak to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that was a team that was drafting two picks ahead of the Calgary Flames in the opening round. Now with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Selecting after the Flames, I think you're probably a little less worried from an organizational standpoint about what he might know and take to the draft table with him. But this has become standard practice in the NHL. If you still have a contract and you're going to be hired in the spring or or in the early summer before the draft, this is just how it works now. Yep. So I don't think there's any surprise. I, I don't think Brad's been done wrong to not be able to sit at the draft table. I, I don't think the Flames were out of line to put that stipulation on him getting permission. This is just sort of how it goes now.
2: Well, especially, in, and it's a little bit different when you go from general manager to general manager too. Like you're you're going from being the head of the hockey ops department in one organization to going to do the same thing in another one. and And so I think sometimes a little bit different for instance, when Brad took the job in April 2014 with the Flames, he went from being an assistant general manager to being a general manager. So I think even then, the the stipulations are a little bit different. But this one this one is, you know, you're going from head job to head job. And so I understand it. I don't think doing it or don't doing it will really make one different, any difference at all in terms of the competitive advantage that the Flames have or don't have. When it comes to the draft, they pick well before the Maple Leafs So pick what Toronto's going to pick with Boston's first rounder, which will be the highest pick outside yeah, of the
1: 28, maybe.
2: Yeah. 29, 30, 31, 32 will be the four conference finalists. And then, yeah, so Boston's picking 28.
1: Yeah. So I don't think you're.
2: That's 12. That's a 12 pick difference. I don't, I don't know. And once you get like, once you get into the later rounds, the lists start to deviate so differently and Brad's going to lean on. Toronto scouts. And look, and, and Tree was not a guy that was even out and and scouting on his own a lot of the amateur guys. That was not an area that that he put a lot of eyes on during his time, and some general managers do, some general managers don't. It's funny, Conroy made that point in his introductory news conference that he'll be on the road with the team a little less, and he wants to be at some of the tournaments and get his eyes on some of the amateur guys a little bit more as the general manager of the team now. So just different GMs go about it a little bit differently. So, you know... Again, I don't, I get it. I think it makes sense, but I don't know if it makes all that much or any difference whatsoever when it's all said and done.
1: No, I mean, you might worry about it if, if he was hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins that he's been in the scouting meetings and here's the guy we love in that 16 range. Well, we think Brad's going to take him at 14. Yeah. It's a moot point with Toronto.
2: Yeah. Uh, and finally, the uh, the last kind of interesting thing related to the Flames that we heard in Brad Living's introductory news conference. It's Flames Talk. Pat West along with you on this Thursday. He was asked about the Matthew Kachuk trade, um, knowing that Matthew is now four wins away from a Stanley Cup. And... Been a pretty uh, fairy tale first year in Florida for Matthew Kachuk. and so was asked about it, and just asked about his thoughts, knowing now that Matthew is playing in the Stanley Cup Final.
0: It was unique. It, every every situation, every team, every year has got unique circumstances. You know, um, <clears throat> Matthew, as I said, came to us, and I'm not I'm not going to go blow by blow on it, Kevin, uh, but he came to us last year which I was appreciative of. Um, I'll never fault the player, but said, you know, I'm. Uh, it's time for me to move. I'm not looking to, to, to sign long-term here. So you go into the market. Now there were some challenges, no question. Um, you know, you're playing with a, felt like a two and a three um, in your hand and, and the, everybody else has got a pair of aces. So we worked hard, we made an organizational decision where our team was at in terms of the growth of our team and it, at the development of our team that we wanted to, to look at opportunities to, to fit within the window, the competitive window we were in, so we worked at it and I know, listen, Matthew's a great young player and we knew from the day, moving 25 year old top players is. we never wanted to move Matthew Kachuk this was not something that let's be very clear, that I said, you know woke up one day and thought, let's move Matthew Kachuk Um, circumstances presented themselves, you deal with them as best you possibly can he's a a top player he's a wonderful player Um, that's the first chapter of that of that trade, you know, Jonathan McKenzie, the pick, you know, there's a prospect involved. vote. We'll see. We'll see. You know, time will time will dictate and, and tell how all things play out. But every time you're going to get you're going to have challenges every year and you just deal with them as best you possibly can.
2: So that was uh Brad talking about the Matthew Kachuk trade from. He's now just a little, little over 11, a little under 11 months ago or whatever it was, a little over 11 months ago. I don't know how to do math, um, but it's it's almost a year ago now that that deal was made. It's just, it's it's funny to hear him talk about it because that was awful. I don't, I don't know. To, I don't know how to do it. It's I mean, hard, man. like, I,
1: let's not go through all of it right now, but there's 12 months in a year. Got, yeah.
2: I think it's either... We'll talk
1: about the rest at the break.
2: Over or under eleven months ago, <laughs> it's one of the two. Can't go wrong hitting either side. Um interesting hearing him talk about how it was kind of dealt a two and a three, and it does. It it hurts your everybody knew that Matthew was on the block. In fact, it was very, very clear. As soon as the team opted for their arbitration with Matthew, you knew that this thing was going in that direction. Right. And and you know, you started to get reports and and this text says that was cringy Math Pat. It sure was. <laughs> you can just call me cringy Pat. That's how we roll. Um but we knew it was happening. And so the rest of the league knew it was happening. And there were there there was a very limited amount of teams that Matthew said he would go to. And so you can't trade him to a team. You can, but if he's not going to sign there, a the team's not going to make the deal. So you need to find a place that he's willing to sign long-term. Basically, Matthew had a no-move clause, but didn't have a no-move clause and called his shot and, and said, here, here are four or five places that I would go. We know Carolina was one of them. Believe St. Louis was one of them. Uh, obviously, Florida was one of them and a few others. So the mandate... As you heard Brad say, it was very clear that they were going to try to remain as competitive as possible. I think that came above Brad's head. And so they made the deal they did. And it's one that was an absolute perfect storm of of bad in year one. Not only, like you've got Huberto's bad year and his nightmare season. And then you've got Kachuk's dream year where he was even better than last year. And now he scored all these huge goals. And now the team that got into the playoffs in game 81 and was the last possible team to make it and the 16th overall team to make it, in fact, finish 17th in the overall standings, they end up going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Like, it's just a perfect storm of everything bad that could have happened with this trade. Realistically, it did. There could have been a few other things that went wrong, But realistically, this is as bad as it could possibly get in year one.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you played that clip. It was what struck me most about the introductory press conference today in Toronto. I I wrote about it off the press conference. You can find it on the post-media sites. I was struck by a couple of things. I thought that admission, because I'm not sure we've heard Brad really come out and, and say it that way, that he was playing with a two and a three. And everyone else had aces. You know, it was well known that Matthew Kachuk wasn't gonna stay in Calgary. It was well known that there were only a handful of teams on his list, including a couple that were just sort of non-starters because of their current contract situation. And and so I think Brad still, even looking at what happened, deserves a lot of credit for the trade he made. The second part that struck me was, was him essentially saying Listen, time will tell. The the jury is still out on this trade, on he didn't quite put it this way, but on what Jonathan Huberdeau does for eight more seasons yep. in Calgary, what Mackenzie Weager does for eight more seasons in Calgary, what Cole Schwint does or doesn't become as a Flames prospect. I thought that was that was very telling too. You know, here's here's a guy who could have got really defensive about that you know i'm sure some people more casual fans in toronto are are sitting there saying hang on we we hired the guy who traded matthew Kachuk? yep what are we thinking here and so you know i i did think that it, it was understandable I, i'm i'm sure a lot of people appreciated why brad went out of his way to say listen i didn't wake up one morning and think yeah. i should trade matthew but I thought he did a good job of breaking it down. And I really thought it was, it was quite revealing, you know, hearing him say I, I had a two and a three. Like my back was against the wall and, and we haven't, I'm not sure we've heard him go that far. We all knew it was true, but I'm not sure we've heard him go that far.
2: Want to uh, read a few texts for you at nine sixty nine sixty? This says, "Do you think if the trade never happened, would Florida have made the playoffs and/or be in the Cup Finals?" I I don't think they would have. Matthew had one hundred and ten points this year uh, and three overtime goals and three OT goals in the playoffs. So I'm I'm going to say unlikely to them being in the playoffs, but no to the Stanley Cup final if they don't have Matthew Kachuk, unfortunately uh dylan and revy so exhausted of people painting brad out to be the victim he set himself up for failure with two separate star players due to poor projecting and foresight it's 100 percent on him on both players nice guy good intentions aside Flames are better off without him. He's talking about Kachuk and Gaudreau. And we talked a little bit about that on, on Wednesday's show about how, yeah, in, in hindsight, it absolutely was a mistake to not sign Johnny to a long-term deal, which he was open to in the fall of 2021, and to not sign Matthew Kachuk to a six-year deal, which they could have gotten done, I think. Or at least they would have been open to negotiations going back in 2019. That's what Dylan's getting at. Um, this says, can he be at the draft? Doesn't he spend more time at other teams draft tables, wheeling and dealing anyway? Well, yeah, I think he can be there. I don't think you can bar him from going to Nashville, uh, but I think he can't be at their table. So he'll be wheeling and dealing virtually or via cell phone.
1: Probably can't be on the floor. Exactly. I
2: think. Uh, this says I don't think
1: he's bumming a seat at the Montreal Canadiens table.
2: No, probably not. I don't I don't think he's right up there on the boards like, "Hey,
1: hey, come over here." <laughs> Calling Colin
2: in a f- "Hey, do you guys mind if I sit with you?" Um is him being at the draft table that much different than being on speakerphone? So dumb. Uh this says, "Just thinking maybe Brad's relationship with Brian Burke even helps him understand the magnitude of taking over the Toronto role." Absolutely. And finally, good for Tree. He's a class act. I wish him nothing but success success except for a couple games a year. I I think it's a
1: great point about Brian Burke, and I don't know this to be true, but I don't think that it would be a wild guess that he would have been one of the top references that Brendan Shanahan leaned on when doing his homework on Brad Shalemite.
2: We are underway this hour. Pat and Wes along with you on Flames Talk. We are uh, coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. All right, continuing along on this Thursday, it's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson along with you and very happy to welcome in our next guest who just happens to be this season's Flames nominee for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, which goes every year to a player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and who has made a significant humanitarian contribution to his community i think all those things apply to our next guest and it sure would be cool to see this gentleman in nashville as one of the finalists for the king clancy in 2022-23 we welcome aboard on flames talk on this thursday michael backland with us uh on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline backs it's uh pat and west how you doing today i'm good thanks how are you guys good man it's good to uh it's good to hear from you how you doing I'm
3: good. I'm good. We're just uh, kind of packing up a bit here. We're heading to Sweden on Sunday, so uh, kids have one more day of preschool, daycare, and then, yeah, we're leaving on Sunday, so we're trying to get things ready.
2: What happens if you get a call to go to Nashville, though?
3: Well, if that happens, it's in a few weeks, right?
2: So, yeah, you got a little so bit of time.
3: I have to go back to Sweden. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, that would be very exciting. So uh, but either way, we'll go home to Sweden.
2: Okay.
1: How how many suitcases are we looking at to get back home for the summer, Michael? Uh
3: yeah, we're we're pretty good. Uh, we uh, we got three bags, uh, and then the big dog kennel, and then some just some carry-ons. So not too bad.
1: That's impressive. Okay. I can't go away for the weekend in less than three bags.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but we try. I tried over the years to kind of get a two wardrobes going. It's just I don't want to bring stuff back and forth and. Uh, yeah uh you know have a, I know that's a luxury to have, but yeah that's something uh nice. i am trying to do, and uh yeah, it's more of the kids stuff we gotta bring they you know they grow all the time so they you know kind of different seasons over here over Sweden, and stuff that we' here ago doesn't really fit this summer, so it's more kids stuff than other stuff
2: well, right all right well well have a safe trip back to sweden that uh i was wondering when you were heading back because uh you've been here for quite a while since the season has ended have seen you doing uh, a number of of different community and and charity events and let's start there you're the uh, flames nominee this year for the king clancy what does that uh what does that mean to you michael
3: yeah it means a lot i mean it's an honor when the teammates uh, vote for you. Uh, it's, it's very special, and uh, yeah, it uh, makes me feel really good to have that respect in the room. And uh, I'm very appreciative of the, the guys voting for me.
2: So, I'm curious as to how your engagement in the community began. I've asked you this question a number of times before. I we we talked before you hit game 900 earlier in the year, but. Now you go back to when you started in Calgary and got here full time. It seemed like immediately getting involved in the community was a big thing for you. How how did it all begin for you, and and why did it all begin for you the way it did?
3: Yeah, no, I I came here and I I could right away tell how important community work was for the Calgary Flames organization, and uh, I could just see it. bigger names the leaders on the team were having doing their part or having their own organizations or doing extra work wherever i can be and it just set the tone right away for me uh you know to be like okay this is what we do here and i want to be part of it and uh yeah and even before when i was younger i started with sponsoring a child back home in sweden and uh um yeah it's just something i kind of always had a drive for to help people and uh i know of have been able to live my dream and privileged life now for a lot of years, and I always want just to give back in any way I can.
2: I, I wonder if you you go back to when you were drafted or or when you first made the jump to North America, and like did did you ever envision being this part or or this much a part of a community or this much a part of? The Calgary community, I, I wonder if that was ever in your mind or if you ever thought you would be such a part of it here.
3: No, I don't think so. I, You know, I never thought I was going to play for one team for this long and live in the same city, just knowing how the NHL works. And, uh, you know, you get drafted, you never know if you're going gonna to make it. It's such a hard league to make it in. And even your first-round pick, it's it's a tough league to... To jump into and um so yeah no i i don't think i ever thought about it early on and um you know cherry work it's like i said it started a little bit of sweden but cherry work at the time wasn't that big in sweden uh it's still a lot bigger over here uh but it's, uh nowadays it's a lot bigger in Sweden as well but um so yeah going up it wasn't i wasn't aware of much over there but as i came over here you could tell how important it is like i said for the california organization but overall in North America, uh, how big charities are. and uh, But yeah, still, you know, my first few years, um, I was just trying to find my program, do what I could do. and uh, But yeah, like I said a lot of times before, I never thought I was going to be here for this long. You know, I just wanted to play in NHL and I wanted to stay in the NHL and I never thought, of
2: on one team for so long. Yeah, we're uh, chatting with Michael Backlund, King Clancy Memorial Trophy nominee for the Flames, and and the most recently there have been the three that you have kind of been most closely associated to. Starting with your work with the uh, ALS Society of Alberta. Just uh, tell us about your work there, how it all came to be, and and what you and and your wife Frida are are doing with the ALS Society of Alberta.
3: Yeah, it started when uh, me and Frida started dating in twenty summer twenty fourteen. Um you know, Frida's mom passed away New Year's Day, two thousand thirteen, um and um she told me all about it and told me what was was 'cause at the time I didn't know what it was and uh, at the time I was working with Special Olympics a little bit, just starting I think, or was, was an ambassador but I was starting to have a little bit there and I was doing a little bit of uh with kids cancer care and um I um but as soon as I met Frida, you know, it was I knew I could tell her, you know, obviously losing your mom is a huge thing and she wanted to do something to help other families or kids where we could be. And she always said, and she's still there, she always want to do what she can to help to find a cure one day. Um, so uh, I started with that and then uh, we kind of started talking about it and uh, we uh, we decided to do uh the points, uh money I do for points to go to the ALS side of Alberta and then Fia came up with a great idea um to have host families at games. Uh just talking about how important those memories are and having those nights or having one night during this tough time and get away from it from it all get away from yeah. thinking about being having a uh, one family member having ALS and that's been a great program and yeah I guess we have over ninety over ninety something families over the years. Visiting at games. Um so that's been great and um yeah, we had that wine event, I think it was fall two thousand sixteen or seventeen. Um which was a great turnout as well. Um raised a lot of money and it was a lot of fun. Um and yeah, and then just uh, done a little few things on the road as well. But um yeah, it's been uh it's been a great partnership with them. They let's say Alberta has been super easy to work with and great people working there with Karen. Um, uh, being their director, executive—I don't exact know title. <laughs> what it's called, but yeah. she's so amazing and she's done our, helped us so much in so many ways. It's, and she's so amazing to their organization and to all the families and everyone that gets involved in Yellowstone
2: And You, uh, you and Frida were just there earlier this week, making a donation, right?
3: Yeah, we uh, well a year ago or sorry not a year ago, but ten months ago. Uh, my agent reached out and said this local clothing company wanted to do something with us uh, for charity. And we're like, yeah, that sounds fun. And, uh, you know, we started talking, got to know Alberta Apparel and had some uh, email meetings and phone meetings and then eventually a sit-down meeting. And uh, it was a lot of fun deciding our own sweaters. And uh it turned out great. I mean, raising almost $20,000, you know, pretty much half a season, uh, I think it was really good. And uh, so, yeah, really happy about that project as well.
2: Um, you've been an ambassador with Special Olympics Calgary for for ages. Like I can't even remember when you started with Special O. It's it's been that long your association. I know you and Dylan were out playing uh, soccer with uh, some of the athletes earlier this week as well. How how did that all start? How much fun has it been being associated with Special O Calgary for as long as you have?
3: Yeah, it's been great. It's been awesome. It's such a great organization. Uh, it helps out the athletes so much, and uh, to go out to all these, if it's a specialty breakfast or if it's a practice, it's just awesome. There's so much energy, uh, so much passion and love, and uh, you just leave there with such a big smile on your face, and it's, yeah, it's just great, great to be around those athletes. They're, they're awesome, and uh, I enjoy every minute I go out to an event or a practice, so it's been a great partnership as well.
2: And finally, tell us about parachutes for pets. How how it started, what it is, and and how how that all came to be.
3: Yeah, parachute pets, uh, and I got, got in touch uh, just before COVID. Um, I saw them on Instagram. Um, some uh, people that I knew of was like following them and. It was, uh, I saw them t- uh, tweet or uh, Instagram about them or something so I knew it was a legit organization and they were starting to pick up a bit there in January 2020 I think it was and um, reading about it a little bit what they were doing, helping homeless, keeping their pets and helping them out with, with bills or food, whatever it would be. Thought it was, sounded really, really like a really good program. that needed some help and so I reached out, you know, I want to donate some tickets so they can uh, raise some money and awareness and uh, since then, our partnership's been growing. A year later, our dog unfortunately passed away, or one of our dogs, Dexter's still with us, but Lily passed away. And Melissa at Parachute Pet suggested me or asked if we want to do Lily's Legacy. And that's been a great program helping kids in care to keep their pets. And um, yeah, over the years, they've been growing, and I've been so happy I can be part of that journey with them. And uh, now they're. Now they're looking to build their own center, uh, as a key center and it's gonna hopefully be great for for everyone that's gonna be able to come in there and um so I'm really excited for them and excited to be part of their sh- uh short journey or their start here and um yeah, hopefully they can keep going and gonna do so many important things.
2: It's uh, really cool what uh, you've done and all the things you touch here in the Calgary community. It's uh, it's awesome to see and uh, very well-deserving. Uh, Michael Backlund with us. He is Calgary's nominee for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. We'll see if uh, Michael can be a well-deserving finalist and be in Nashville at the end of the month at the NHL Awards. He's joining us here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Wes? Michael, congrats on the uh, Clancy nomination.
1: Very cool. I'm- Thank you. I'm wondering, uh, does a guy start to feel a little long in the tooth when one of his former teammates becomes his general manager?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's, uh, def- it, it, yeah, it's definitely weird seeing, having such a long relationship with Tree and a close relationship, seeing him. Uh, oh, sorry, you mean Connie. Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, it, but yeah, I guess you mean Connie, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I of,
3: play with and him? yeah. We'll get, we'll I get play to we'll, Brad yeah. too,
1: though, for sure. Yeah,
3: we'll get to Tree too, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, yeah, you meant uh, Connie that we play together, now he's a GM. That definitely makes you feel old. Yeah. Uh, your question. <laughs> uh, no, but it's great. I'm super excited for Connie. Uh, I was very, I was rooting for him, hoping he'll get the job, and I was very happy to hear that he did. And uh, He deserves it. He's worked really hard, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited for him. He's the same Connie, just like a teammate and a GM, like same positive, great person
1: how did you see his leadership abilities early in, early in your career? Like you, you come up, you, you know, you obviously have come through the junior ranks. You had to clone her for a little bit. How, how, when you became a regular at the Saddledome, how, how did you see Craig's sort of leadership at that point?
3: Well, I was just super nice to me right away. Uh, just like you said, anyone, I hear people talk about who, how many people he expected in Calgary, just someone runs into the street, how nice he is. And like, just how friendly he is. I remember him being so nice to me right away. And wherever I asked him, he would, you know, help me out or he, yeah, he was just really good to me. And uh, also the locker room, he had that veteran presence. I mean, we had a veteran group, but um, he was still, you know, vocal and uh, had a big impact on the group, even though maybe his playing time was slowing down a bit when I got there, but he was still, you know, respected guy in the room.
1: And, and I know you don't, as a player necessarily see everything that happens in the offices, but what, what makes him, you said you were really excited for him. What makes him now a, a guy who you think will do a great job as the, the general manager of this team in Calgary?
3: Well, he's, he's done his duties. He's worked a long time now with organization and different positions. Uh, he's done his work. Uh, and he, you can tell that he always wants to learn and uh, uh, learn more about the, whatever, whatever he's doing. And, Uh, He's a smart hockey mind, um, and he just has that drive and passion um, to win and to help guys out, and, you know, know, he was a system, but, you know, I I talked to him, too, uh, about things, Uh, not always with Tree. I talked a lot with Connie, as well, and he's easy to talk to. He's a great communicator, and he's always been honest with me, and, um, um, yeah, I, I just think he's a really smart guy, and he's, He's young for the position, like a young GM, and I think he comes in with some new ice um, as a young GM.
1: I, I know every guy is a little different. Where do you fall? Are you, are you a player who will watch the Stanley Cup Finals every night? Do you want to see those last games of the season, or when you haven't reached the goal that you guys set out for this year, do you find it tough to watch those games?
3: Yeah, first, I'll... Like yeah, it's gonna to be tough to watch, especially the Western Conference playoffs. Um, but uh, as playoffs went on and, and uh, having a lot of time at night, I kind of been watching uh, quite a bit of it, and uh, uh, it's been fun watching Florida. Not gonna lie, it's been uh, it's been a real story. So uh, I'm only gonna be able to watch one game now um, uh, on Saturday before we leave. So after that, I won't stay up and watch games. Maybe. <laughs> with the jet lag if the kids wake up in the middle of the night maybe I'll put it on um, <laughs> if the game's on <laughs> but uh, yeah no uh, I've been I've been watching the playoffs uh, most of the Eastern games uh, but some Western games as
1: well that Panthers roster obviously includes a couple of your former line mates are you are you happy for Matthew and Sam
3: yeah I'm very happy for them they they deserve it they worked hard and uh, I'm happy for them where they act um, and yeah you know it's it uh, yeah it, yeah I'm just you can tell how passionate they are and um, I'm happy they're both like big impact players uh, and uh, yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's great to see them grow over there and uh, you know uh, maturing on uh, maturing on the ice as well uh, and yeah so yeah very happy to do them.
1: Let me just ask you one more. I uh, I watched the end of the the World Championships the other day and, and you see. Tyler Foley as captain grab the trophy and have that moment where all his teammates are waiting for him and and not many guys can describe what that's like but you captain Sweden to a gold medal a few years ago can you can you describe that moment and, and what that means as the guy with the C on his jersey to to grab that trophy
3: Yeah, it's a great feeling. It's awesome. Uh it's one of my best hockey moments for sure in my life. Um I mean, it's great where, we, where, we, you know, where the country represent, but to play for European teams too, where the world championship is even bigger, uh, than it is compared over here. Uh, even a lot, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Canada here, but yeah, uh, I, I know the talks over here about world championships compared to how it important it is in Sweden. Uh, whether, whether it's media or fans, it's both are like so much, it's just so much more pressure and, um, excitement. World championships over in Europe. Um, so, uh, to, yeah, to win it with Sweden, it was very special. Uh, and it's, uh, it was an amazing feeling lifting that trophy. And I played in a few tournaments before and lost uh, in a final, a couple of bronze, and lost in a quarter. So to finally win it uh, felt really good.
2: Did you uh, did you have any bets with Kelso? I know that you and him are always betting <laughs> Sweden and Canada.
3: No, not this time. Uh, I texted him out he just said he was happy for him. Uh, so we didn't have anything going this time.
2: It had to be neat too to see your to you had Kelso and Kent there, but also Milan and and McKenzie and and Tyler captaining it. Yeah, we know you're always cheering for Sweden, but if they couldn't win, it had to be pretty cool to see those guys uh, win it all. Hey,
3: yeah, for sure. I, I and I watched a little bit of the third period there, and it was yeah, it was cool. And I watched a little bit when the race the, top, the trophy and all that, so it was, it was cool to watch and really happy for the guys. Um, they all deserve it, uh, you know. Uh, has played before but like for Luce to play for a World Championship at this age and uh, he won a lot of other uh, competitions uh, to add this he's great and for Wiggy he's never played for Canada uh, I don't know if he played any championships nope. with Canada nope. no right that's right so yep. like he has a Canadian tattoo but he's never played for Team Canada I mean that's just great to see that he was lot of success so uh, and then top of the being captain which yeah was special for all three of them so I was really excited for them
2: um just before we let you go, two more backs, Michael Backlund with us. Uh, he's the King Clancy Memorial trophy nominee for the flames. Um, how, how did you feel about, uh, Brad tree living your former GM? What's, uh, what's your thoughts on tree going to Toronto?
3: Yeah, I mean, really excited for him. Uh, I was a bit surprised the, the way he talked, uh, the way the talks we had after the season, not just in his office, like outside the rink as well. Uh, we talked a bit and, uh, you know, he was telling me and a lot of people, a lot of people too, that you know, he was gonna take a, some time off here uh, and some long time off and not, maybe not even work with the season start next year. So I was a bit, a bit surprised and uh to see it, but I mean, it's a great opportunity for him to take over such a classic team and uh, leadership the over there. So I'm just really excited for him. Uh, I think he's gonna do great. Uh, there's a lot of work to do with all those. Contract's coming coming to an end soon, um, but what an exciting opportunity for him.
2: And last question for you. Uh, Craig has told us, Craig Conroy has told us, that uh, there will be a captain next season for the team. There hasn't been a captain for a couple of years. Backs, so I know you've been asked this a number of times over the last couple of years, but I thought it was a good way to close it out because the King Clancy goes to somebody who exhibits leadership on and off the ice, and so many of your teammates said this year that yeah you know what michael's our michael's our leader and and he's the guy that we look to i remember talking to you uh just before you played your 900th game you talked about how you've kind of become that guy that you'll talk to sean o'brien and say no you know what we're gonna we're gonna stay over let's let's not fly home tonight let's stay over and, and really getting involved in that side of the leadership things just if it, if it were to go that way, and, and uh, they were to offer the captain C to you, what, what would that mean? How much would you embrace wearing a C on your jersey here?
3: Yeah, I mean, wearing a, a C would be a huge, huge honor. Uh, something I never expected. Uh, or, you know, like I said before, I never saw myself playing for an organization for so long when it came to, when I was young and. I could never dream of being a captain for an NHL team. I just want to make the league and play in the NHL and uh everything else is bonus, so uh to have that you know, chance maybe, I don't know. Uh it would be a huge honor. Uh we'll see what happens. Um but yeah, it's uh it's definitely will be a huge honor, especially in the Canadian market as well.
2: Yeah. Well, it would be very well deserving if they uh, if that if that were to happen, Michael. Much like it is very well deserving to see you as the Flames nominee for the King Clancy, honestly, it would uh, be really well deserved if uh, you got that trip to Nashville at the NHL Awards. So fingers crossed on that. Thanks so much for doing this today. Travel safe to Sweden on the weekend and uh, have yourself a great summer. Really appreciate the time as always, Michael.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it and have a great time with you guys as well.
2: Thank you man. Thanks. Be well. Thanks Michael.
3: Yeah, you too. Yeah, thanks, Wes.
2: Michael Backlund is uh the third longest tenured member of the Calgary Flames. 908 games under his belt with the Flames. Next year, uh he will move into number 2 all things uh being equal and all things going according to plan, he'll move into number 2 all-time and he would pass Mark Giordano and who knows, maybe that uh 1219 from uh, Jerome McGinley, Maybe one day that could be in the cards as well. Look, we don't know the way things are gonna go and, and we don't know how things are gonna transpire for Michael going forward. We know he's got one year left on his deal, and I do think he'd be a very, very deserving captain, though. If if there was uh if there was more time for Michael with the Flames organization beyond this year and they were to slap that C on his shoulder, I think that he would be very, very well deserved.
1: Well, and we've talked about this before. You can't you can't force a captain in the sense of if you have a guy who's been identified as the leader in your locker room, I certainly understand from an organizational standpoint where you kind of look at what age range they're in, you know, their contractual status, how long they're going to be around. But if that guy's looked at as the leader, then it doesn't matter if you put the C on a different Jersey, the, you know, the hierarchy, if that's the right way to put it in the locker room, hasn't changed. And, all we've heard for the past several months, basically the entirety of this season is that Michael Backlund is the captain in that locker room. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that they look to. You sometimes hear Chris Tanev kind of mentioned in that same conversation, but it it's basically consensus that Michael Backlund is the guy who who is wearing the imaginary C in there. And so... If they're determined to name a captain, and as you said, Craig Conroy would like to have one, here's a guy that just makes a ton of sense.
2: Absolutely. Uh, cool to chat with Michael. Uh, and I would uh, encourage you just to go to the Flames Foundation website or or just Google some of the initiatives that Michael is involved with in the city of Calgary, uh, the ALS Society of Alberta, how much and, and how closely he and his wife Frida work with uh, the ALS Society of Alberta, Special Olympics Calgary, and uh, parachutes for pets. Uh, it's uh, pretty cool to see all of the things that Michael has touched in southern Alberta and Calgary since getting here and yeah if he got that trip to Nashville the uh very well deserved three finalists just like every other award each of the 32 teams nominates one guy and then uh, the league will choose three finalists from there and I've got fingers crossed that we see him in Nashville because he would absolutely deserve it
1: yeah I haven't uh sifted through the entire list of, of nominees and I, I'm sure there's some very impressive ones around the league, but. This guy is very deserving. Michael Backlund has been quietly doing so much in this city for a long, long time. And and just to see him recognized this far along, yep. whether he's a finalist or not, Very well-deserved.
2: He's Wes Gilbertson of Post Media on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, Cam Hughes, and Taylor Dingman, our producers this hour. As we wrap things up, thanks to Michael Backlund. Thanks to uh, Peter Hanlon of the Flames for making that happen. And Michael joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344.